Hello, what have we here? Welcome to Mandalorian Monday. This is the first episode ever of Mandalorian Monday. Um, I know we've been saying that our series episodes would be Sundays, but Mandalorian Sunday sounds dumber than Mandalorian Monday. And we also didn't have time to record Saturday, so uh, Mandalorian Mondays now. This will be this will be every week until the Mandalorian is out or is done. Um, where we will basically we'll give you Friday when the episode comes out, Saturday and Sunday to watch it, and then Monday will be our very spoilery discussion review we'll kind of go over the plot again and um maybe explain some things that you might not have understood or uh maybe even like forgot about if you've only seen it one time um and just kind of as the episodes go on maybe there will be connections between episodes that aren't super obvious um and then we'll kind of talk about it our thoughts about it and also what we think it means for the overall season story. Um, but yeah, very excited for Mandalorian Mondays to finally finally start. I'm glad the show is back. So excited. Seems like it's been forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can just start. Um, I'll ask you what kind of, like, what was your emotion watching it? Because we did a Disney Plus group mm-hmm. watch so we could we kind of there's not like a chat option in that like uh amazon prime's group watch has a chat box on the side um a few of my friends and i watched the boys that way and we could chat with each other um while we were in quarantine um and we could like type out our thoughts but on disney plus all they had was like five five different emoji faces so we'd be watching it and then all these emojis would pop up in the corner mm-hmm. Um, now, but we couldn't really like talk during it or anything. So now let me say this: my emotion most of the time was, yeah, or like <laughs> oh, or something like that. But um, there was no emoji provided that was like a excited like an, one, like yeah. an excited one. So the closest one there was was like the crying, laughing face because, like, his mouth was open really wide. So I yeah. was like, maybe that will equate. Well, yeah, and there was also, um, there was, like, a winky one, there was a smiley one, there was an angry one, which I was like, why, <laughs> who's who's watching a show and getting angry about it? I don't get that one, but, um, but there was the love one, which I think I maybe used mm-hmm. the most, or the smiley one or something, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was, I had kind of not really, like, I didn't forget. It just, like, didn't really hit me until that morning. And I was like, dude, the episode is out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched it. I had, like, one hour, like, the perfect amount of time between my class and when I had to get to work that I could perfectly squeeze the episode in. Um, but my friend was in a class in the other room on, on Zoom. So I was, like, super giddy and excited. But I was like, yeah. <laughs> like super quiet but he told me afterward he's like yeah i could hear you like freaking out in the other room but <laughs> i couldn't like make out anything you were saying because you were quiet and i was like it was very good very exciting <laughs> um but yeah we can we'll break down the plot first 
Um, so obviously this is season two, episode one. But what's interesting is that um, they call it chapter nine uh, instead of like chapter two or like uh, like Avatar, the last airbender. Their Their series are labeled as quote unquote books and they each have like a chapter one, chapter two. It's like book one, whatever, chapter three, or like that's their thing. But The Mandalorian is going just chapter nine and then chapter 10. And I'm sure in seasons like three and four, however many they go, it's still going to just be continuing these chapters. So I guess the most interesting thing about that or what it suggests is that it's all like one completely thought out story it's not like they finish a season they're like all right what can we do next Mm because i know um before they even like finished season one john favreau was already writing i think two and three maybe even four or he maybe i think he had two written already and then was writing three and four so it seems like they already have they already know what the story is and it's all one cohesive narrative not like some shows where like this season is like the walking dead this is the prison season and this is the season where they're mm-hmm. um at the uh, whatever oh, the, the farmhouse or whatever it is um this seems like the seasons aren't going to be like distinct from each other in that aspect at least i don't think that's how it's going to be but um yeah really interesting and I don't know, somehow I missed the title of this episode, which was The Marshal, which should have immediately given away the big twist that was coming. Even though, like, as soon as they said one line about it, I was like, oh, I think this, mm-hmm. I know where this is going. But I totally would have caught it just off the title alone. But I must have, like, looked down or something right as that popped up because I did not catch it. Um, but yeah, so the, the season, a lot like... Um, season one starts with kind of a cold open that isn't directly connected to anything except like it kind of is but it's not like like the events in the first two minutes don't they're not like continued by the rest of the episode so it starts with him and um him and the child going to that planet that was in the trailer where there was graffiti everywhere and the Gamorians were fighting and the Cyclops alien, um, he meets to talk to him. Um, and by the way, I would just like to say when we first reacted to the trailer and we are seeing that, I was like, I bet this is the opening scene of the very first episode. It gives off that vibe. And sure enough, I'm a genius. New are genius. Um, but yes, he goes there and the green Cyclops, I believe he's called an Abyssin or something. I think that's the species. His name is Gore Koresh. But apparently he's like a mafioso type guy. He has information that Mando wants. Um, and he's betting on Gamorreans, which their axes were so weird. I think they were vibro axes. Like they had a weird effect on them where they like, Looked mm-hmm. like they were vibrating really fast and then, like, made this energy thing when they hit each other. It was just really cool. Um, but he, interestingly, I think what this season is going to be about, um, plot-wise, is going to be 
him finding different Mandalorians. Because it starts right off, he says, I need to find this child's kind, and I need to find the Mandalorians to find them. Um, and then he mentions, like, different converts, or coverts, yeah. not converts, coverts. So it sounds like exactly what we had kind of theorized. Like, there are these different groups of Mandalorians out there that are hidden away from everybody. And we saw his with the armorer and um, all those Mandalorians that showed up in episode three of season one, where they kind of fly in and save the day. And they're like, this is the way. And it's like a crazy action scene. And it was awesome. So I, I assume that's one of the coverts and he's taking any lead on other Mandalorians. Um, and it just so happens that Gore Koresh, who I don't know if I mentioned already that he's voiced by John Leguizamo, who um, worked with, John Favreau on Chef, which was a great movie. If anyone saw that or didn't see it, you should watch Chef. But John Leguizamo is in there. And I, what I love about this show is like John Favreau just sneaks in people that he likes mm-hmm. <laughs> to like tiny roles. Like last season, he was he just like asked Bill Burr like, "Hey, will you be in this? I think this is great." And he's like, "No, I don't know." He's like, "Promise me." Or he's like, "Believe me, it'll it'll be great." And then. uh just like so many other little cameos in that first season that like didn't like they weren't big roles at all, but they're just like friends of John Favreau's that get thrown in there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun to see that. And you're actually the one that pointed out that it was him. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there like, this guy sounds so familiar. I guarantee he's somebody that they did this with. I just couldn't think of who it was. And I didn't, I didn't like read it in the credits either because I had to literally run to work like immediately. I had three minutes to get there, <laughs> so I ended the episode and just took off. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, that, that was a, I was listening fun to little, him, and I was just like, hey, that is Sid the Sloth. <laughs> well, he his voice was so much more grizzled mm-hmm. than like Sid the Sloth. He he reminded me more of his John Wick character, kind of the seedy car mechanic guy um but anyways he knows of one mandalorian um and he points the mandalorian armando um to tatooine and he's like tatooine i was just there (laughs) and um he shows up and then is the second cameo uh which is the return of pelimato who was in Episode 5 of Season 1, which is played by Amy Sedaris. She's the woman who gave him the speeder and, like, babysat the child for him in Season 1. And she has the curly hair. And she was really funny. And she had, like, the little pit droids from Episode Mm -hmm. 1. And so he shows up on Tatooine with her. And it was really cool because she's, like, hey, yelling at her dumb pit droids that are, like, bumbling bozos. He's like, remember, he doesn't like droids. And he's like, no, it's fine. The ship needs a once-over anyways. And he's like, oh, now he likes droids. And I was like, oh, yeah, he had that whole arc in season one. Um, IG-11 has changed him. So that was nice to see. Um, And then she was like, uh, how much for the child? Just kidding. And then she's like, but hey, if he he, uh, buds or like sprouts a a seed i'll take the i'll take the other one or something like that um so i was not expecting to see her at all that was that caught me by surprise um but then she very quickly points him in the direction of 
most pelgo which um i think in the book that the uh surprise character um is from that shows up in this episode the book i believe the town had a different name or maybe it was like a nickname for it or something but they called it like freetown or something um but we'll get into that a little later because they change a little bit from the book um, in the backstory of the mystery character. Um, but I guess that is like the next thing. So I guess it's yeah. not, I don't need to be that secret. So he leaves. Uh, he leaves most. Was it? Yeah, it was most Isley because that's where the cantina was, um, where mm-hmm. Helimoto is. What? Well, uh, well, he goes. Short. Yeah. Short little tidbit here. So, in the episode of season one that um, Pelimoto showed up in, he does go to the Mos Eisley Cantina, and at the bar, not like the droid running the bar, but there's another droid there, a little a- oh, yeah, a yeah, little yeah. astromech, little like pinkish-red astromech named R5-D4. And mm-hmm. um, upon watching the... Uh, the Disney Gallery Mandalorian docuseries. Uh, sure enough, that is the the same R five that Uncle Owen and Luke almost bought, if not for yeah. the the, the bad motivator. motivator. Um, and then this R five unit has a bad motivator. Look at <laughs> yeah, something like that. But sure enough, I don't know what happened, but Pelimoti some. Pelimoto somehow uh, kind of uh, procured this droid. I don't know how, but he was there with a gunked up motivator as well. So uh, that was uh-huh. one thing that a lot of people uh, kind of noticed. That was like, I mean, that was already an Easter egg. Like, it's the exact same Easter egg from season one, kind of. But I was yeah. like, okay. They're just like, we sure. spent so much time making this Easter egg for season one. Mm-hmm. We need to put him back in season two to make it worth it. Uh, but yeah, so he leaves Mos Eisley and takes the speeder to Mos Pelgo, which was very, like, sparse. <laughs> like, it seems so... It, this episode was very, very Western. And, like, the whole show is very Western. But this episode was very much, like, like the, the most western of the typical western yeah um so he shows up in like this little tiny town um goes to the bar and immediately runs into the sheriff who um this is the big reveal and the first time that I literally freaked out was Cobb Vanth played by Timothy Oliphant who appeared in I believe I said this in an earlier episode. There's a trilogy of books called the Aftermath books. And like every three chapters of that, there's these little interludes. And in all three of those books, there is one interlude dedicated to the story of Cobb Vanth, who is this guy who was the sheriff of this town. And he ended up acquiring the armor of Boba Fett from Jawas, who pulled it out of the dead Sarlacc. Um, after Jabba's sail barge exploded above it in episode six. So just the fact that they brought this character who was literally like a character in the like little interludes. He had like maybe 10 total pages of story in all of Star Wars canon. And they brought him to the screen 
and like I think he stole this episode. He was like he's like one of my new favorite characters. Very cool. Um and that's obviously just because of how recently I watched him and because of the book connection that I love him so much. But uh he's standing there wearing the armor of Boba Fett and a red scarf and like a red sweater. And I was like, yo, this guy is so mm-hmm. cool. Um, I feel like we also pat ourselves on the shoulder for this one because I do think this is another thing that maybe we didn't outright predict, but we were like, this could happen. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, yeah. It it was rumored that he would be in it, and I was like, that would be cool. And we kind of predicted that he would show up and maybe have some kind of interaction, but I expected him to be kind of a villain or maybe maybe not a villain but he is more interested in his town and his people than in whatever the mandalorian's purposes were so i thought there was going to be conflict between them um and at first it seemed that way because mando shows up and he's like i deserve that armor like i'm a mandalorian and i need that armor and then he's like oh we're gonna fight for it huh and then the crate dragon shows up and this is kind of where the main story of this episode is uh this crate dragon goes through town swallows up a whole bantha and goes off and then he's and then uh Cobb bantha's like if you help me kill that thing i'll give you the armor and i was like okay <laughs> i was like this is not going where i thought it would go but okay um so um what did you think of the crate dragon and like was was Cobb Vanth kind of I guess we can get into his backstory as well because yeah he gives his backstory um and it's like I said a little different from the book so I can I can explain that yeah. but you can get into his backstory so, uh, that might have been one of my favorite scenes so basically um he's just kind of telling Mando how he came to be in this town how he got his armor and stuff so he goes on this interlude of how um it was back when the second death star blew up and everyone in this town was like kind of celebrating and stuff all at this bar and uh then he's like power hates a vacuum or something and like all these like these uh these tough guy the mining yeah, guild these I tough think. guys roll into town to Strong arm on my strong arm. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think they basically like. I don't know if it's like exactly like slavery, but they definitely like force people to work in mines. Yeah. So, um, basically, he kind of shoots his way out and escapes on foot in the middle of the desert, which isn't good. Mm-hmm. So, um, he's just walking through the desert. He's on the brink of death until he's saved by the Jawa Sandcrawler. A yeah, huge They one. take him in, and, uh, he has something valuable. Huh? Silicax crystals. Yeah, he has some sort of crystal in a Camtono that he stole before he, uh, escaped town. And the Jawas are like, oh, like, we want these. In Jawa, obviously. So it was something more like, oh! (laughs) But then he kind of glimpses Boba Fett's armor. Obviously, he doesn't... I don't think he knows who Boba Fett is, or, like, that is his armor. Yeah, no. But he's like, I Mm -hmm. need that. We we recognize it immediately. It's got the dent, the colors, everything. I'm sure he was like, 
holy crap, that's Mandalorian armor. And obviously... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Because he opens the episode, he's like, I've never seen a real yeah. Mandalorian. So, like, he knows of them. Yeah. He knows what and he's And obviously, wearing. like, um, throughout this show, like, everyone's like, you've heard the stories, right? Like, the Mandalorians are the, mm-hmm. the greatest warriors in the galaxy or whatever. So he sees this Mandalorian armor and there's all this mythos around it. And he's like, that's what I need. So he trades these crystals for the armor and then rolls back into town and, like, completely awesome. fights off all the mining guild people. And uh, he gets he gets shot a couple times by the lasers, but they bounce off, like, what we've seen Mando do a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. But the one best thing scar. we've never seen Mando do... So at one point, all the remaining mining <laughs> guild people, they hop in this little skiff, and they're heading out. And then Cobb Vanth is just watching them ride off. His little visor whips down. His little yeah. visor whips down in front of his eyes and lines up his target. Bends over and just the missile from the jetpack that everyone has always wanted to see. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think Jango Fett used his a bunch of times. But, yeah, I think he used yeah, it once. I don't know. It was... It blows up the skiff, and then, like, that whole flashback sequence was just so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. A lot of people were pointing out that it's very reminiscent of Iron Man 1, when he shoots the yeah. missile at the tank, and then watches it explode in the distance. Um, yeah, I, I loved Cobb Vance so much. Like, even, like, he looked cool with... Boba Fett's armor, obviously, because it's Boba Fett's armor, but also, like, they didn't make him look exactly like Boba Fett, because he doesn't have, like, the under um, garments, like the boots or the um, undershirt or anything else. It's just the helmet and the chest piece and the jetpack. Um, but they really made him look cool, like, with his own kind of under clothes like the the pants and the different gun uh the gun looked really cool like it had the bandage thing wrapped around it um and then obviously when he takes the helmet off which you know he's not a real mandalorian because mandalorians aren't supposed to take their helmets off now i guess um and he looks cool without the helmet too he's like this grizzled like gray-haired like, suave-looking sheriff guy. Which, by the way, Timothy Oliphant seems to have, like, uh, a monopoly on playing sheriffs in (laughs) in things. (laughs) Because I swear, like, all of his major roles, if you look him up, are all, like, western sheriffs. Uh, In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he was even the guy cast to play the sheriff in the movie in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean... It's just really cool. Obviously, Mandalorians since the beginning have been, I think, like, almost intentionally very Western-inspired. Again, in Disney Gallery, mm-hmm. John Favreau was talking about how they kind of drew inspiration for Mando's design, like, from uh, Clint Eastwood's Man With No Name. Like, he has the little, like, brown cloak cape mm-hmm. thing, and then, like, even, like, the horizontal... Uh, brim of the eyes on the helmet is like kind of like the brim of his hat and like uh, yeah so like this is obviously mm-hmm. like a western inspired show like that was clear from like the first trailer for the first yeah. season but this episode 
was literally like an episode of Bonanza. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, there's even the line, um, <laughs> they're like, that crate dragon can come back and, uh, what if he gets tired of Banthas and starts swallowing up you guys? Or, uh, he's like, or even what worse, he say? or he's like, or he's like, yeah, or even worse, the school. And I was like, dude, we this is literally like hats. a Western serial yeah. <laughs> right now. I was like, dude, they're literally saying we need to protect the schoolhouse. This is like, <laughs> this is literally a Western serial right now. Um, but yeah, uh, I loved everything about Cobb Banth. I was so excited to see him. I was not expecting like any new characters or like any of the rumored characters to show up in episode one, um, let alone, like, be as important as um, they were. Um, so after after we meet Cobb Vance, and obviously we talk about the Crate Dragon, and they decide to um, work to defeat it, um, but they eventually encounter a group of Tusken Raiders. And this episode was, like, so good, because, like, not only did it give us Cobb Vance, like, a great character... It didn't, and it uh, gave us great, like, Western vibes, but it also gave us, like, the Tusken Raider culture, which in that uh, episode five of season one, we had kind of seen them, like, bartering with Mando, and, like, we kind of established that he had a relationship with them. And in this one, that was, like, at the forefront of the episode. Like, they, he could talk to them, and, like, they made a deal with them because they both wanted this crate dragon gone. They actually hired a deaf actor, I think, to play the Tusken Raider who, like, used the sign language or whatever. And, um, like, developed that kind of Tusken sign language together. Um, so that was really cool that they hired a deaf actor for that. Um, but they really, like, put, like, in the in the Western show, like, the relation with the Native Americans. Like, that's totally yeah, exactly. what this was. And... Um, there was a lot of Attack of the Clones love with the Tusken Raiders dog creatures. Uh, what are they called? Yeah. Massives or something? Um, yeah. <laughs> the last time we saw them, they were kind of getting uh, brutalized by... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and even seeing their tents and mm-hmm. stuff Yeah, uh, was really cool. <laughs> We oh, have a special shoot. guest who would like to say hi to the show. I mean, they can't see you, but um, everyone's waving. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was very cool to see that back. Um, people not afraid to reference the prequels anymore, uh, and it was hilarious seeing the one Tuscan do dental work on his bantha, <laughs> <laughs> like picking his teeth. It was just so, it was just so, like, fun to see that, and they were, like, people rather than, like, monsters that they were in, uh, in Attack of the, or, uh, A New Hope. Um, so I really like that element of it. Um, what was sad, though, was how many Banthas just, were just completely sacrificed (laughs) in the name of killing this other animal. A lot of, a lot of animal violence in this episode. Um, so they, they strike this deal with the Tusken Raiders, but they're like, we don't have enough with just the two of us and these Tusken Raiders. So they team up or they have to convince the village that 
then you can work with the Tuscan Raiders and they're obviously kind of prejudiced against them. Like they're um, savages, although I don't think that's the word they use. I think they might say they're just monsters or something. Um, But eventually they agree. And then they have that moment where, or not moment, but scene where they go to uh, blow it up from beneath and it doesn't work, so they have to like go to Plan B, and it all goes wrong, and people are getting eaten left and right, and uh, it was very much the Alaskan bullworm from SpongeBob, <laughs> where he's in the cave and he comes out um, to feast yeah. on things. And um, also that whole plan. Talk about Western. They're literally out there digging holes and like filling boxes of TNT and stuff. I was like, okay. Yeah, putting dynamite <laughs> yeah. in the ground. We need it to was blow very, up the dam Western. before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it, what I loved was seeing um, Vance and Mando kind of jetpacking up onto the rock and shooting at it and. Um, at the end of this battle, Mando comes up with the plan. They have a bantha covered in dynamite, basically. And he's like, uh, you need to protect the child. And then he hits his jetpack and it ignites and like he yeah. flies away, just like Han Solo when he hits Boba Fett and uh, accidentally launches him into the Sarlacc pit. Um, and uh, the crate Dragon swallows Mando and the bantha. Um, however, Mando escapes with his laser or his taser on the end of his, um, particle rifle or whatever. What's it called? Yeah. I forget what it's called. There's like a special like name for it, but I forget what it is. Disintegration rifle or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> something. Um, but he, he can electrocute with it and he escapes from outside of it and blows up the tnt that it swallowed or whatever i don't know if they give it a name but they blow it up from inside out um then vance gives him the armor like keeps his word and mando rides off with the child rides and off into the sunset and then comes then comes the big stinger as someone was watching and he has a tuscan raider rifle and a tuscan raider uh, whatever they're like, their mace, oh, their staff I actually, weapons. I feel like uh, I know the name of this. Huh? A Gadurf. I think it's like Gaffy something like that stick or something. Something. You know, I have something. To Google Gus. It now. Something. I'm pretty sure it's like Gadurfy. Maybe it's Gaddafi. <laughs> uh man, Gadurfy <laughs> or Gaffy stick. It's both. If we're right. We were both today. right. Uh, but anyways, yeah. this mysterious, bald, scarred figure with these Tuscan Raider weapons turns around, and it's <laughs> Boba Fett! It's Tamara Morrison! Woo! Two characters that were rumored to be in the show in episode one. I have a list on my phone of all the rumored characters, and I've checked off two of them so far. Um, obviously... The, there's going to be more story with Boba Fett. Um, and we'll get into like what we think that is in our discussion part. But what a way to end the episode. Um, not only giving us a man who wears Boba Fett's armor, but then being like, oh yeah, and Boba Fett's also alive. What a, It was so exciting. Like I was, I was at work like, oh my gosh, 
Cobb Vant. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, Boba Fett. <laughs> this episode, I feel like it was brilliant because it was putting Boba Fett at the forefront of our mind without us knowing it and then revealing mm-hmm. it. Like, obviously, uh, seeing Cobb Vanth in part of Boba Fett's armor, we're like, yo, that's Boba Fett's armor. And then we just kind of, like, continue with the story progression. But then, like, um, mm-hmm. parts like Mando hitting his jetpack and sending him off just like Boba Fett and him mm-hmm. getting swallowed up just like Boba Fett, you're just like, huh. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of at the forefront of your mind. Like, hey, Mando escaped the Crate Dragon. Yeah. And then, sure enough, this mm-hmm. is, like, official canon confirmation that Boba Fett did indeed escape the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, and um, they're like, um, the the cave that the um, crate dragon was living in was a sarlacc pit. And they were like, how do you get a sarlacc out of a pit? Or they're like, how, what do you, like, how does it, I forget what they say, but they're like, not mm-hmm. if you eat the sarlacc. So it's like, if Boba Fett was in the sarlacc, um, and then a crate dragon could kill and eat a sarlacc, and Mando could escape from the crate dragon. Like it's not going to be unbelievable that Boba Fett could escape the sarlacc. So they were like setting up that Boba Fett's escape wasn't just like total fan service or completely unbelievable. Like they were giving yeah. it credence and like giving it, um, mm-hmm. like they were making it, but yeah, a reasonable thing. But that was the episode. Um, Let's get into our discussion before we start (laughs) discussing it. Um, But first, we'll kind of give our thoughts, um, which we've kind of been doing, but um, kind of more, less like plot thoughts and more like just in general thoughts. Uh, Like I thought, this episode started with like the music was so good. Um, like the theme that plays when he's flying to Tatooine is like the horns and um, just super crazy good. And then um, like the opening fight scene, it's the um, like, as soon as he like kills the last guy in the fight and then it's like silent for a beat and then, and it was like oh yeah baby there it is that theme oh it's just such an exciting theme to listen to and uh i mean the one thing that i've just kind of been thinking about is this episode i feel like in terms of like the whole story is pretty small scale like it's very much like Mm -hmm. just one episode obviously it alludes to boba fett in the future but, like, it's just, you know, set up and then, like, it's all contained in this one episode. But the precedent it sets for going forward, like, hey, episode one, Cobb Vanth, also Boba Fett, also a banger of an episode, 54 mm-hmm. minutes long, the longest episode yet. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that runtime, I bet, uh, I bet episode one will be like this massive episode like plot wise and it really wasn't which makes me think 
that all of the mm-hmm. episodes are going to trend towards the longer side. And if this is the starting point, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Um, that's the thing I wanted to discuss was season one gave us three episodes in a row at the start of the season that like we had these three episodes that were pretty much one continuous storyline. I mean, episode two kind of um, like episode one, definitely where he goes and he finds a child season two, he goes to fight the mud horn and kind of um, get his stuff back. But it's like his first time, like it's him with the child for the first time. And then, Episode three was him kind of giving the child back, but then deciding to take it back. And then like that final fight and then four, five and six were all kind of um, like little bottle episodes that weren't tied with the overarching story that episodes one, two and three set up. And then we were like, all right, when is this main story going to kick back in? And that's what seven and eight were. So I was curious, like if this is episode one, and we meet Cobb Vanth, we get Boba Fett's armor, we know he's looking for Mandalorians, and then we end with Boba Fett. Is episode two going to be Boba Fett kind of showing up and confronting him, and then that's, like, the interaction? And, like, is that going to be kind of the main story is on Tatooine and, like, dealing with these new Mandalorians because there was a rumor that Ahsoka would show up and it would be at the at a location that we've seen before or something like that and she would like be on Tatooine or something so like is the main story going to be this particular journey to Tatooine where he kind of encounters these Mandalorians and then like in the episodes that aren't as directly tied to this particular story is where he goes kind of off planet and runs into the empire or is it going to open with like um, this episode and then Boba Fett's not going to come back in until a little bit later in the season. Like we just have one episode. So it's, it's impossible to predict like the structure of this season. Um, I was just, it was just curious to me that they opened with an episode that seemed so disconnected, like its own short little story, that it felt weird that it was the opener episode. Even though it was really good, it seemed like you would want to open with, like, the gang getting back together, like Cara Dune, Greek Karga, and um, encountering Moff Gideon again, maybe, or something like that. Um, but like the other Star Wars movies kind of open with separate little adventures. There's like, um, the Battle of Hoth and then Jabba's Palace. So it's not, it's not, uh, like it's, it, it follows the trend that has been set already that you would open with an adventure and then get to the main story. So, um, but yeah, like obviously they're coming back to this story. Like they're this even though they've left Cobb Banth at Moss Pelgo, like I have a sneaking suspicion yeah, that maybe he'll show up again. Um and I would love that. I would love it if 
like if um like we were kind of saying maybe grief karga felt like he was gonna die because he seemed like of the main characters he was kind of the least developed or the least kind of necessary of the characters um that were in that main group so i'm thinking like if grief karga dies and then the empire follows them to tatooine and like they're in most pelgo or something and they destroyed the town and then um uh Cobb vanth gets away and like goes with them and maybe like Cobb vanth gets the armor back from boba fett like maybe maybe boba fett is a bad guy and they have to defeat him and then he's like you know what you've you're not a Mandalorian, but you've earned this armor by helping us or whatever. Um, like, I think there's, I think yeah. there's stuff they could do with, with Cobb Vance in the future. So um, that is an exciting idea because yeah, I, I mean, loved him so much. <laughs> um, in season one, when we are introduced to Cara Dune in episode four, and then she shows up again in seven and eight, like at first, we just mm-hmm. kind of thought she was just a, like another like kind of one episode character, and then now with Pelimoto, mm-hmm. no one expected her to show up again, but uh, yeah. she has. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and even like in um, episode six of season one, Bill Burr's character, I was like, yo, I would like to see him return. And then they make it seem like Mando killed them all, and then the episode ends with them all just stuck in the prison cell. I was like, see, they could bring him back. So it seems like anyone could come back that yeah. isn't dead, obviously. But um, I think it would be cool because, like, Timothy Oliphant is a relatively well-known actor. It would seem weird to bring him in for one single episode. Because, um, like, Bill Burr was kind of in the same camp where he was, like, a main character for one episode. But, like the story behind his casting definitely made him feel like a one-off character, but casting Timothy Oliphant as like, like a guy who's been in like big shows and movies, like to cast him as just like a one-off character feels like different from casting a comedian to play a character. Um, Especially one who you start the show with, give him like a great backstory, make him directly connected to a character that we already love, make him a character that we like all, like we've just met him and we already love him. Um, And then to just like leave him, I definitely think we'll see him again in the future. Yeah. Um, If not in this show, you know, someone's going to make comic books or Mm -hmm. a novel or something. Maybe that's what that novel is. Yeah. uh, That got pushed back. A year. Maybe it was about yeah. Cobb Vance uh, or something. Typically, Mando's run-ins with people end in them either dying or arrested or captured or not. It doesn't end well for them, typically. Yeah. It, yeah the, the fact, fact that, that he like, wasn't a bad guy. They had like a, and they he had was like like a friendly shake there for a, a brotherhood, bro. They were like, yeah. and they I were was like, like bromance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how could you get a guy as good looking as Timothy Oliphant with gray hair and a goatee and then give him one and episode you can't do it 
Um, but yeah, uh, definitely we're going to see Boba Fett go for that armor. Um, and I think, because there was that line in the Clone Wars where they were like, Jango Fett is no Mandalorian. He's just a outlaw with armor. So if Boba Fett isn't considered a Mandalorian by the, like Mandalore, that's another interesting dynamic where that is his armor. And he does kind of fit the description of a Mandalorian, but for whatever reason in the Clone Wars, they said Jango Fett was just like an outlaw and not a real Mandalorian. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic that I think could get explored with him. But um, Boba did not look he nearly did, as friendly as He was looking kind of rough. Then, it looked like so. his eyebrows were singed off. Or was that just me from stomach acid, yeah. I presume? But. Yeah. Um, and I think this show takes place a few years after Return of the Jedi. So... Um, he had to have gotten out of the Sarlacc very quickly after. And I think in the Aftermath book, they say, like, when the, when Jabba's skiff crashed, it exposed part of the body of the Sarlacc, not just the mouth. Mm -hmm. And then Jawas were able to come in and, like, cut it open and, like, get the armor out. And presumably Boba Fett was in it and maybe they thought he was dead. So they took everything. Or like how when Mando kind of came back to his <laughs> ship, they had just stolen a bunch of stuff. Maybe they just took it off of him and like ran away with it. Um, but presumably he's been on Tatooine looking for it for maybe a few years. He's obviously encountered some Tuscans, and it likely didn't end well for them because he has their weapons and he's all battle scarred. So um, It'll be exciting to see kind of what he's done. Maybe the book is about Boba Fett in those years. Who knows? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it'll be exciting to see where this show takes off from here. Because it seems like Boba Fett has to... Like, it seems like the Boba Fett interaction is, like, imminent. Like, it seems like it has to be the next episode Otherwise, like, if he leaves Tatooine, he would have to come back and then encounter Boba Fett. Or somehow Boba Fett follows him. And, like, where is he taking the armor? Like, does he have a plan with the armor? Like, I feel like Boba Fett's going to have to show up immediately and try to say, like, give me that armor. Like, it feels like it has to be the next episode. Which is why I'm thinking, like, if these two episodes... If, if that is what the second episode is, and they could surprise us, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, duh, that makes obvious sense um, for why it wouldn't be the episode that I think it will be. Um, but, like, if, the, if those two episodes happen back-to-back and they're not the main story, that would feel really weird as, like, the opening two episodes yeah. when that... it Like, that could have been, like two middle episodes like i don't know it just seems like weird structure and obviously we're only going off of one episode and i'm sure it'll make sense but um a better opening episode than season one um and i think probably as good as the best of season one if not better um just because it gave us like not only Mando, who we love, but also gave us another character that we love. Um, 
a crazy like crazy like action sequences like that crate dragon was huge and like that was like the scope of the episode while it was very small and contained at the same time was very large fighting this giant monster um so it, it was just like a very strong opening episode um yeah excited to see where uh, we we're also going get next. some cute baby yoda moments obviously there's he's not yeah that surprisingly much. i was like oh maybe they're gonna make him maybe they're gonna mm-hmm. make him use the force on the crate dragon to like like he did with the mud horn but he he didn't really do yeah, anything I mean, this episode besides be cute there is but there I guess is the one moment that we that's what about we've expected where he like closes his little his little cradle door and then yeah. there's one where he like kind of like when the ground's rumbling when the crate dragon first shows up and like after it goes away he like peeks around a corner like checking to see if it's gone or whatever yeah oh yeah yeah or he's in the, the jar he's in the corner he's in some the other time like the corner <laughs> of a wall but then he's like in a little yeah. vase <laughs> yeah which as soon as they announce the Cobb Vance Funko Pop, both the helmeted oh, and boy. the unhelmeted, I will buy both of those. Because those have to be coming. There also has to be a mm-hmm. the child in vase Funko Pop coming. Yeah. There's no way. There has to be. I also want Wandering... I've, I've, st- I've decided to call Boba Fett as he is now Wandering Boba. Because it feels to me like he's just been wandering around. Um... But hopefully we'll see his... Maybe they'll show us his backstory of waking up outside of the dead Sarlacc mm-hmm. and fighting off Tusken Raiders and looking for his armor. Um, but yeah, I, I believe they've been doing on the Shop Disney website Mando Mondays, which of course we not. did not steal our episode from them. It's, a very, it's a very a obvious uh, alliteration. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, but they've been releasing products, or like every Monday they're going to release new products. So I'm really hoping that this week they announce Cobb Vance Funko Pops <laughs> because that's all I want in my life is Cobb Vance yeah, Funko Pops. <laughs> um, but they have to be making those and Wandering Boba Funko Pop. Um, but yeah, we are at 50 minutes. So do you have um, more to say or... Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the one thing before season two has come out that I think Pedro Pascal and uh, John Favreau have said is that um, the the whole relationship between Mando and Baby Yoda is going to like grow in a way that they think the audience will really like. And I kind of like this is like kind of the first inkling of that. Um, Obviously, Mando in season one was just, like, very cool, and we grew to like him. But now coming back for season two, like, obviously, in the last episode, we see him at, like, a very vulnerable state. And that just kind of, like, draws us closer to the character. Like, kind of the facade is down, and now we know what he looks like under that armor. Like, we know who he is. And uh, as Baby Yoda kind of softened him throughout the not soften like physically or like in combat because obviously he's still a unit but like 
Uh, yeah, he's not, like, weaker. Yeah, it's just much more wholesome. And now, in Season 2, like, all that kind of groundwork done in Season 1 just makes everything those two do together so much better. Because, like, now he really does seem like Baby Yoda's father. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, we saw the moment when he sees the the gauntlet thing come out. And he closes his pod, and then as soon as the fight starts, he kicks the pod out of the way, like he like they know what they're doing now, and they're a team working together. So that's really, really cool, I think. Um, but uh, what was interesting was like he's not with Cara Dune and Grief Karga, which I we kind of said in our predictions, like maybe um, they split yeah. up. I think they did at the end of the I think, last season. They kind of yeah. split up. So um, I'll be interested when they bring those two back in. Like maybe we'll get an episode that's just the two of them together. Because they said they were going to do episodes that were like uh, kind of like Game of Thrones where they like split up stories over different episodes. So maybe we'll get like a Cara Dune and Grief Karga episode or something like that. So um yeah, overall, very good. Very excited for next uh, Friday. Um, I guess one another thing that's very exciting is, like, Star Wars is often very divisive among the fan base. Um, but when Mandalorian comes out, it's like everyone's on the same wavelength and everyone, everyone remembers why and what they love about Star Wars. And even though people might still disagree about the movies and stuff, everyone loves the Mandalorian and everyone loves what's going on, uh, on that show and, um, the creators and what they're doing and their vision. So it's, it's nice to have, uh, eight weeks where everyone is kind of, (laughs) uh, calm and in agreement. It helps that Mandalorian uh, when it comes to Star Wars. We talked about how they reference like something from episode one and two, and obviously there's heavy references to the original trilogy. And if later in the season it turns out that that ice planet we saw is in fact Ilum, and kind of this faction of the, the old empires, maybe like we see the first inklings of the First Order, if they could bring some stuff in from the sequel trilogy, like this show is very unifying. Like just everyone loves it. They. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And if Ahsoka does show up, she will have appeared in the prequel era, the original trilogy era in Rebels, and now in the sequel era, which bro, is everything if after shows Return up, of the Jedi. It's over. So um, is over, bro. Is Mandalorian, so. Oh, uh, <laughs> they're like Sabine. Like it seems like if they've given us Cobb Vance and Boba Fett which are two heavily connected to Mandalorians just because of Boba Fett's armor. Like, it seems like Sabine and Bo-Katan are, like, two obvious inclusions now. seems like such an unlikely thing. I mean, obviously, we were like, this could happen. But, like... Yeah. To bring a character, a very small character from a book... Where he's not even the main character, he's just like a side story to like, yeah, like break up the main anything story. Anything could happen now. Like they've opened Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's not going to be... Like, they're obviously not... Like, they. I think they released teaser trailers um, for the next episodes. So maybe they'll be out by the time we do, like, normal episodes every week. Um, if we get to do those, because it is getting kind of busier. Um, if we do have to skip episodes because it's getting crazy hectic, we'll probably skip the normal episodes and we will always do... We'll, we'll give priority to Mandalorian Mondays just because it's the Mandalorian already like, takes we don't want to skip episode three of the Mandalorian and just not review it <laughs> and not review it. So, uh, yeah. Um, but I think that's about it on our discussion. Um, for episode one or chapter nine, uh, the Marshall. So, uh, we're going to release episodes every Monday. Um, Hopefully every thinking, Thursday or Friday for yeah, our normal episodes. Yeah, I'm thinking since we're pushing uh, if we from Sunday to, to Monday, up. we'll probably push from Thursday to Friday. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so our normal episode will come out when the episode of Mandalorian comes out. And then our Mandalorian episode will come out Monday. So, uh, very excited for the next seven weeks of Star Wars. Um, and at least... The last four, I should be mm-hmm. home from college, so we should be able to watch them together. Uh, the other ones, I'm probably going to watch with my friends at college. So, uh, very excited. Um, very, just very excited. <laughs> just still kind of energized from this episode. I've watched it twice, um, and it held up both times. So, uh, keep an eye out for. Uh, Mandalorian Mondays every week and um, here's here's hoping for more Cobb in the future. Alright. Thank you for listening to Lando's Lounge. Lando's Lounge can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing us with a friend or rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. To engage with us on social media, follow at Lando's Lounge Podcast on Instagram and like and follow the Lando's Lounge page on Facebook. To ask a question for our Q&A segment, The Carbon Freeze, engage with us in comment sections or shoot us a DM for the possibility of your question being featured. The intro music to this podcast is Star Wars Cantina Band Closed on Sunday Lo-Fi Remix. Thank you again for listening and tune in to the next episode.